0: This is episode number 145 with Mike McDermott of The Founder Podcast.
1: What you need is thirst. You need to be a
0: thirsty human who is intent on learning.
1: It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 Now, The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help.
0: And so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e commerce, and so much more. So, if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is a hundred percent free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan, I'm your host, coming to you live from. Hometown, homegrown Melbourne, Australia. I'm really, really excited to be uh, sharing this podcast episode with you. We're speaking to Mike McDermott and uh, he is the founder of a very big, well-known accounting invoicing software company called FreshBooks. It's a cloud-based SaaS product. And uh, really, really excited, Uh, I got to speak with Mike, very, very smart guy, extremely large company, they've got over millions of customers, and that is, yes, millions of customers, which is crazy, and uh, Mike and I actually talk about a topic, you know, when I do these interviews, you guys might find this interesting, a lot of the time, I don't know what the angle's going to be, I just kind of... Treat it like a normal conversation And just see where things go And, you know, if if something really shouts out at me That I want to delve deeper into That sounds like, oh, this sounds interesting You know, we go down, we go deeper, we go deeper, we go deeper And then that's the angle of the show And that episode So, you know, with this one, it was quite interesting I didn't expect to speak to Mike uh, So in-depth about culture and company values But this is something that... uh has been uh, quite a big thing for founder in the past let's say three to four months where you know I started the company myself I was working on the side and then as the company's grown you've got we've got staff we've got a team here in Melbourne and then all around the world and uh, as time has gone on I've realized you know one thing that one of my mentors, Mitch, has taught me is you know, a great company, a great business always has a set of values that uh, defines the culture and that culture is essentially why people want to work at your company. Uh, it's the things that define everything that you do and it's your set of beliefs as a founder and as a company and as a team and it's what you live and breathe. And um, Mike and I talked about this quite in depth. So if you are building your company uh, and you're, you know, starting to hire staff, this is something you definitely need to consider because this shapes everything that you do within your business. It helps you, you know, make decisions easier. It helps you find the right kind of employees and people that you want to join your team. So it's, uh, yeah, it was a great conversation. I learned a lot. It was really, really interesting. And uh, I also wanted to share with you guys, before we jump in, if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. It helps more than you can imagine. Please do let your friends know about the Founder Podcast. It helps us big time. We are doing our very, very best, and we are on a mission uh, to have our content consumed by now tens of millions of people on a monthly basis. And uh, I know how powerful word of mouth is. And if just lastly, if you are looking to start a business, you haven't launched your business yet. And, you know, launching a physical based product does interest you. Make sure you sign up to foundermag.com forward slash e-commerce where you can find out more where we're working on a step-by-step video course. We've teamed up with a friend of mine out of Melbourne. She's built four multi-million dollar e-commerce brands, physical product businesses. Uh, This is probably going to be one of the best courses we've ever produced. I'm really excited. And uh, yeah, make sure you go check it out. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is how did you get your job?
1: How did I get my job? You know, I I would say it's more like, how did you find yourself on this mission? Uh, (laughs) uh, Because uh, ultimately... You know, I started out scratching my own itch. I, uh, I was running a small design agency, and I, I was using Word and Excel to, to build my clients. And um, you know, ultimately, Word and Excel are not built to, to you know, track uh, time and invoice people, that kind of thing. And so, one day, I accidentally saved over an invoice and said, you know, there has to be a, a better way to do this. And uh, I said about building a product so I could build my clients and you know, started working on that with one person, uh, got it out there. Eventually people started liking it and the rest is kind of, as I say, history. So I I guess the short answer is I, I I kind of fell into it. (laughs) It was not by design.
0: Interesting. So you never set out to build a SaaS company?
1: I did not set out to build a SaaS company. I, I, um, I, I really started out trying to solve my own problem and, and, uh, I built the first thing just for me, and it was a couple of months before we even figured, you know, other people might might like this. And and then we started thinking about that. Uh, you know, the truth is, you know, we were SaaS before there was SaaS. We were cloud before there was cloud. We got started in like, you know, the early. It's uh, yeah, I've been at it for about a decade now, right? So uh, these these concepts and the notion of building these predictable recurring revenue businesses, like software was being sold as licenses back then. So, <laughs> yeah, like, gotcha. uh, you know. People looked at us with like three heads when we're like, you know, of oh, this is like a small monthly fee, and it's like, well, why don't I just buy it and put it on my server? It's like, no, how about a small monthly fee? So it was everything. Everything was kind of backwards. Uh, you know, all the thing I'd say a lot of the things that are taken for granted today, uh, we were really going against the grain for for a lot of years.
0: Gotcha. So, um, do you still run that design agency still to this day? I do not. I. Uh, uh, kind of gradually set about firing uh,
1: my clients in, in a way where either they didn't need us anymore or we got them into good hands. But uh, uh, no, I I, I I was pretty soon consumed with a passion for, for this business and sort of this mission of helping to uh, uh, reshape the world for uh, self-employed professionals and their teams. And it, it just building the product was so addictive that I went from spending 100% of my time on the agency to pretty soon I was about 20% of my time on the agency and and kind of starving myself uh, while feeding others to to enable me to spend time you know trying to build a product, trying to figure out how to market it, all, all the stuff that comes with uh, with building a
0: company. Yeah, gotcha. So you started FreshBooks about 10 years ago, then you would say. That's right. Yep. Exactly 10 years ago. So 2007.
1: Well, no, no, no. It was, it, was, it was kind of more than that. And we, we had. So, uh, you know, if we're going to be honest about things like really humble beginnings. So I saved over that invoice in January 2003. Yep. It took about a year. Like we were building product. And I like I'm not sure how technical everyone is in the audience. But um, let's say it this way. The, the tools people use to build the kind of product that we run today, they, they didn't exist back then. And so, you know, you could have brought a product like ours to market much faster than we were able to, um, anyhow. So we, we, we worked for about a year kind of part-time turning something, uh, our, our idea into something people could sign up for and, uh, and then spent, uh, you know, and three and a half years in my parents' basement, uh, just trying to get things going. And actually after two years from the saving of that invoice, uh, you know, two years after that, we had only 10 paying customers paying us, uh, about, uh. $10 a month each. So uh, we were making about $100 a month. My wow. co-founder is a, a doctorate in computer science. Uh, you know, I went to a, a good business school. Uh, we brought on a third guy who's an electrical engineer. And so you take you know, that cumulative, I guess, education level, and those guys have, have big brains. Uh, <laughs> to be making $100 a month from you know, that many human years of effort uh, is, you know, by all accounts, a failure. Uh, and, uh, we, we just kind of stuck with it cause we really loved what we were doing and our customers were telling us it was great. So yeah, that's, uh, anyways, a little more color on the early days. Yeah, that's crazy. So you working on the product for about four years. It's, it's complicated. I think that's a stretch, right? So first of all, we were part-time, uh, yep. like Joe, my original co-founder never worked more than like a day or two a week, uh, with us. Yep. So we were always just kind of squeezing it in and, you know, 20 minutes here, an hour there, uh, because we were doing other stuff. And then. Levi, who's the third guy who joined us, uh, he started full time in March 2003. And we launched in, uh, in oh, sorry, 2004. And we launched in uh, May 2004. So two months before we kind of launched. Uh, and he was the only person who was full time because I still had my agency and, and all the rest of that. So part time for a couple of years. And then, uh, yeah, and then it was, uh, was full time. And we had people signing up and trying it, right? So we, we knew we were kind of doing some stuff, right? We just hadn't figured out all the kinks yet.
0: Gotcha. And when did things really start to take off? When you get traction?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would say 10 paying customers is traction, right? So uh, if you launch in May, and we only, I know we only had 10, 10 paying customers, but we had other people using the site and signing up. And I, I think um, there is a lot of, quote unquote, best practice in building companies and technology companies and software companies today. And that's ultimately the the kind of company we ended up building, and I am personally like I, I I am I am skeptical of of best practice in a lot of instances, right? Because, you know, I think by all accounts, again, we were a failure because you know, like we may not have achieved someone else's definition of traction yet, but we saw you know progress and a good a good trend, and so we stuck with it. And there there's no like one turning point uh, where all of a sudden the business just kind of took a, a new direction. It was this gradual and consistent build. And when you got small numbers, they're growing at high rates. If you're patient enough to, to, to let it run out, you know, you might just have something there. And it turns out, you know, we were patient enough because we really loved what we were doing and we believed in it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that was kind of more than money in those days.
0: Mm, yeah, I see. Hey guys, I really hope you're feeling inspired from today's interview. exclusive savings on startup tools and 24 7 real human support try founder plus today for just one dollar for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence you can visit founder.com forward slash founder plus trial or click the link in our show notes to claim your trial all right now let's jump back in the show so at what point did you start to um fire your clients
1: on the, on the agency side? Yeah. So that, that uh, yeah, so, so good question. So kind of running two businesses for a while. Um, that probably took uh, from, you know, the January 2003. I probably fired the last one in like 2006 or something. Uh, be my guess. I don't know. Um, and that would be, you know, pretty congruent with when I'd really say, you know, FreshBooks kind of, you know, 2006 is probably about the time it really got going. So it is about a decade, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, wow. And... Um, can you give our audience just a, a little bit of um, insight around how big FreshBooks is right now?
1: Yeah, sure. So what we are is uh, a ridiculously easy to use uh, accounting software that's in the cloud. It's designed for self-employed professionals and their teams. And, and basically, if you, you invoice, you need FreshBooks. It turns out that uh, you know since we started, over 10 million people have used the software. Uh, we're about 250 employees, you know, with bookers, uh, today and we don't share, uh, revenue or anything like that, but that's, uh, gives you a size of, uh, you know, the scale and we're still growing really fast. And, uh,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. And when it comes to, I guess, um, the way you're operating the company now, what, what, what kind of leader are you? What type of um, you know business leader do you consider yourself as, and and how do you grow and develop yourself as a leader?
1: Well, for what it's worth, that's a particularly uh, interesting question for uh, to me, uh, and I'll tell you why. Is um, you know growing a business is, is really hard, and that, the kinds of people who start businesses are often not the people who scale them. And I uh, I've had the good fortune to have been a decade to try and grow into and become a leader, and you know frankly it's taken. The better part of a decade to understand that's the problem to take on and, and start working against it. So, yeah. So, so what kind of a leader am I, I, I uh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I do know that I, I've learned a ton about leadership and that I'm still working at it. And it's, uh, you know, as you scale, it's it, it gets more and more important and more and more challenging. And, you know, I, I think about, I guess, as a builder and an entrepreneur and a leader, to me, that there's two things you need to be successful. Uh, you need shared values of the people on your team, right? And we're really big on, on values of FreshBooks. And, and you need alignment. And so people need to know where they're going and why. And so I think you get the right people in who have those shared values and, and you point them in the right direction. Those are, those are a big part of, uh, of sort of, you know, what I feel responsible for as, as a leader, let's stop there for now. And we can uh, dig deeper into the stuff if you want, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, maybe I'll just go into some of the lessons. Like I, one of the things I have found particularly hard as, I would say, an entrepreneur and someone who's, you know, I'd say I like things when they're moving really, really fast. And I'm comfortable having a, a very conceptual conversation that gallops really, really quickly. And one of the biggest struggles I've had, you know, as a leader over the years is, you know, hey, you've built this thing, it's your baby, you're in a meeting room or what have you. And just a leadership lesson. Like for years, like, I just like somebody asks a question, I've got a fast answer. Right. And I'm ready to go to the next thing. And one of the things I've realized and I've had to learn as leaders, like, you to actually have to make space and time so that other people have an opportunity to contribute as opposed to just answering straight away. Like if I answer every question in a meeting, like no one else is going to talking. I'm ready to do that. I have an answer. I know the business so well, but but I was for years kind of crowding people out and it wasn't like I was necessarily telling them what to do or anything. It was just like someone asked a question. I got an answer. Anyway, so a, a small leadership lesson for me that I think comes from being a little more, you know, that that crazy entrepreneur type is I actually have to like the goal is, and this I guess is a good leadership lesson too. Whoever the most senior person in the room is, they should probably speak last, right, to make sure everyone has a chance to kind of get stuff out there. And when you're working in a collaborative environment like like I do, uh, that's been uh, that's a thing that it takes more energy for me than you can possibly imagine to sit on my hands and like (laughs) let that, uh, let that conversation (laughs) unfold. So, uh, but I I think it's a a good dynamic for anybody who's building a team to, to be aware that, uh, you know, a fast answer is not necessarily the best behavior.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I've recently learned the importance of values like within a company and while we're building out founder, I'm curious, how do you constantly communicate FreshBooks values to a 250 person team?
1: First of all, as is, is I learn more about culture and these kinds of things, it is about sort of continuous uh, communication, but it, it's about doing it in many sort of different ways if it matters enough. So uh, let's just start at the beginning. I, I think the the first thing we do is is um, when we're interviewing, we're looking for our values and people who share them, right? So we're probing around, uh, you know, questions that, you know, people who, who, you know, share our values. And this isn't like, we're not asking like opinions on like politics or that's, that's not values, right? Uh, you're looking for for for, for, for different, more uh, sort of basic things. And um uh, so, so we, we look for folks that you know we feel through an interview process, and what have you do do share our values. And then when they join the company, one of the most powerful things that we do is everybody spends their first month in customer service. So we're very, very big on customer service, and uh, everybody like our CFO who you know uh, was a CFO of a public company for ten years prior to joining FreshBooks. You know, he went and spent a month in customer service, answering calls from you know from from customers and and being managed by the customer service team, uh, not you know, not by me during that period. And so why do I talk about that as as something that's relevant here is because uh, during that month, you know people get instilled with, you know, first of all, we deliberately walk them through the values in the first uh, couple of days they' um, uh, as part of the onboarding process. but then, you know, they see them living and, and, you know, they hear them in conversations and, 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 and the osmosis of seeing like, you know, what the culture is, people start to, you know, kind of uh, fit in and adopt that kind of thing. And so that's powerful. And then you go to more, uh, so after everyone's through first month and during it, like we have a kind of a lunch hall and we have big banners with our, our values, you know, sort of printed on those that are like, you walk down the stairs to this area and it's like, you can't not see the v- values. Right. So, so we make it kind of both the invisible aspect of how people are living on day to day, but also very physical, and that they are they are present, and you're walking past them when you come in and they're to the building, and that kind of thing makes sense. So there those are a couple of ways we do it.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And when it came to coming up with your values, what like if you know, so because a lot of our audience are just starting to build out their company, uh, maybe solopreneurs, maybe just starting to hire. What what do you recommend? Any best practices to come up with them? Do you recommend having 10, 15, 3, 4? Keep it simple. How many do you guys have?
1: Great question. Um so we uh, I'll just start with the end. Is uh, you know, we had seven, we're at nine, and we have an invisible tenth one. Uh, so like that's probably too many, right? So if I had a do-over, I would I would have fewer of them. And and I, if I had a do-over as well, I think a you know, values and I would look to a company like Zappos to get a picture of this. They do a really good job of it. I think the best values, in my opinion, are like when they describe a behavior you're looking for, right? So I think, Zappos has this one called, like, do more with less, right? Mm. Uh, which, which to me is like, it, it's about creativity. It's about resourcefulness on one hand. On the other hand, it's like, you know, don't waste our money, right? Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, be responsible. Mindset, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a very, but, but it's like such a clear picture. Whereas our values are kind of these one word, you know, generic things with an underlying meaning. You know, we have one, uh, honesty. I think honesty is like actually critical, like trust and honesty. You don't have anything if you don't have those things, uh, but we define it as being sort of straightforward and direct. We know we communicate directly and, and like those, we have that underlying behavior underneath. So maybe be straightforward. <laughs> could have, if I had to do over, I might do something like that uh, as a, as a value. Anyhow, so back to, so that that's like, Hey, the end state, you want them to be like a picture so people on your team like they hear the value and they kind of know what to do, what behaviors you're expecting of them. Okay, so that's that's a a thing. And then the way we built ours up, uh, you know, I'll kind of give you the the true story and uh, think about how others might uh, do something similar. We made it a bunch of years without having any values specifically articulated, and then you know we had this day we called sort of Values Day. And what I asked everybody to do—I think we were like 30 people at this point—was uh, to bring one story. Everybody bring one story that they think best captures, like, the essence of, you know, what we're about and who we are. And what we did is we went around and everybody kind of read their story and they put it in a like a bucket, if you will. It wasn't a bucket, but <laughs> they put this. They read the story, they put it down. At the end of the day, or later in the day, we started grouping them right? Like, Hey, which one is this kind of like that or what have you? And then we kind of tried to find a word to kind of capture those, those sentiments. So it was very much, I guess, in, in our way of doing, it it was a very collaborative exercise. You know, if I had a, you know, a future company. And I think part of that is like, that was really good because, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I could have just pulled them all out of my rump, if that makes sense. I did shape a couple of them and sort of insist that I will say, I insisted that, you know, trust and honesty were two of them. And, and trust for us is like, we give trust to earn trust, right? And when in doubt, we trust others have our best intentions in mind. Um, so there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a definition of that, that I, I knew we need those to have, have them fundamentally in there trust and honesty, but, but the other ones were, were less clear to me. Um, anyways, I feel like I'm down into the, the weeds, but, but the point is we, we got these kind of words and these stories and these examples of how we behaved. And then we kind of found patterns in them and trying to find words to capture them. Uh, so like passion is one that we have. But the way we define passion is like, um, you know, like we're we're continuously working on our craft. And if we weren't doing it here, we're doing it somewhere else, right? So we don't want people who can do a job, you know, or have a skill. We want people who love learning about that skill and are continuously getting better at it. Does that makes sense because you can't. Te- and what's great about that uh, is, as a leader and running a company, is you can't convince somebody that they need to. Or it's hard to like. It's better to have the intrinsic motivation to get better than to think that you can kind of generate it from the outside because they're there already, right? So we're not self learners who are self aware and passionate about learning more. Anyway, so that's that's just kind of one example. Um, so if 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 I were if I were running another company again in the future, I might decide to like show up day one and be like, everybody, these are our values. This is how we're going to live. I think there's a lot of value to actually waiting a little later and kind of seeing what happens and then having the values reflect, you know, how the place is, because I could imagine creating a set of values in a vacuum and then the team's 10 people and, you know, X number of months or years. And like, there's a big disconnect between the two, like that could happen. Right. Uh, cause I think that founding team kind of sets the, sets the, you know, the ball rolling down the hill, uh, to a certain degree. So my two cents would be like, wait a little bit till you have enough data to kind of figure out who you are and then take a a guess at it. And don't be afraid to edit it over time. And I always threaten to like rewrite the values myself or like tune them. uh, Because you know what, I can, (laughs) right? Uh, That's part of my prerogative. And I don't know that I'd completely blow them up or anything like that. I don't think that's necessary. But at one point I added, we went from seven to nine because uh, uh, I thought some things were missing, right? So we created one called change. Right, which is um, which is really about uh, you know we believe that change brings uh, uh, growth for ourselves and books, right? Because you know a technology company is changing as much as we are. You really want people to have an openness to change, and if they're not open to it, they're closed. They're probably actually not a great fit, and we need to help them go somewhere where that's you know less likely to have things change around them. So I don't know. I hope I hope that's helpful. But it's. Uh uh, you know, I think what's great about values is once you have them, you know, I'll say this. I think this is important. What you want to do is you want to reward people who live the values, like who demonstrate them day to day, and and that's what gets people, you know, sort of saying like uh, you, you double down on the positives is how you get people kind of living them, and and you also have a clear guideline, you know, to have a conversation with another adult about why something's not working because you have a reference guide saying like, listen, this goes against our, you know, do more with less. Listen. You just spent you know ten thousand dollars. You know, I don't know, driving limousines around town because you felt like it. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, that doesn't that doesn't really fit with uh, with our value here. Uh, so you know, it it gives you a nice set of guidelines to have challenging conversations and to avoid positive behavior.
0: Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. Look, we have to work towards wrapping up, but um, I really appreciate yeah. you just. Just doubling down on the values piece, how important that is for a fast-growing company, even for a company the size of yours, it's more important than ever, right? I think uh, you know to to maintain speed
1: uh, at scale, you need guardrails and and values, and having a value system that's explicit is uh, is a great set of guardrails for for everybody. People know what's expected of them, so they're not wondering. And, you know, uh, you can reward people or, you know, in those rare occasions have those challenging conversations, uh, without it seeming subjective. Cause you can point to the thing up on the wall and be like, Hey, you're not living this.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Um, a couple of last questions before we work towards wrapping up Mike, um, one managing a 250 person team, you've obviously got a leadership team. Uh, do you do guys do like weekly traffic report meetings around your targets and goals and, and I'm just curious around just the function functioning part to to build a high performance team to continue. Yeah, growth. like how
1: how we how we operate the business. So yeah. yes, we, so we have a variety of we do have a weekly, you know, you know how did it's it's a, a bit of a you want to look at the things of looking back how did the last week go? What are the leading indicators of tomorrow? So we we do that on Tuesdays, as a matter of fact, and that's kind of the numbers. And we do a second meeting, which is kind of the projects. And hey, is everyone clear? Uh, like we call it a. a you know, key performance indicators meeting. And then there's like a weekly operations meeting. And those are basically both about like, are we, are we doing what we thought we would do? And then are the trains running on time and are people out of each other's way? So that's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a part of it. Um, what other stuff in that vein might you be interested in?
0: Those two pieces was, was what I was looking for. Cause I know many different companies in terms of operationally, depending on the size, they have different kinds of I guess ways they're tracking how things are going. And I, I was curious uh, with a company of your size how you're doing that. Second last question, uh can you talk to us about uh the future of Fresh Books, where you think see things going, uh what your aspirations are, what your what your mission is. And then uh last question will be the best place people can find out more about yourself and also fresh books.
1: Okay, so uh uh, our our our, uh, our invisible tenth value is is like secrecy, so we, we don't result we uh, share financial information, and we actually don't do like forward looking statements, meaning like. Said another way, I'm not going to get too specific about where we're going, but I'll, I'll tell you about our mission. And I, I think it's pretty broad, and, and I'll let you kind of fill in the, the cracks. Is, you know, we're on a mission to reshape the world to suit the needs of self employed professionals and their teams. And it's our belief that, you know, across the world, you know, thanks to technology, thanks to demographics, thanks to a variety of things, there are more people working for themselves than ever before. That's a fact. Uh, and the rate is uh, only going to increase. And so, uh, when we look out there, we also see a world that's not really set up for self-employed professionals. So, so we want to help by enabling you to run your business without having to learn accounting. Make it so simple that uh, you can just focus on your clients and your your craft and uh, and getting the work done. So that's that's you know, uh, that's kind of high-level stuff, but. But uh, we believe there's lots of room to to play in there, and we're really early on in, in kind of uh, realizing that mission of, of reshaping the world for this large and growing constituency of people who uh, are out there, you know, as professionals, getting work done, getting paid for their time and expertise. Uh, and I guess maybe then the last part is where can you learn more about uh, me and FreshBooks, and probably the best place to do that is, is FreshBooks.com. Uh, yeah. If anyone is uh, out there and you you know you have invoices you want to send and uh, a business you want to run more simply, uh, so you can uh, focus on what you love doing instead of back office stuff, uh, do do drop by and give us a try.
0: Awesome. Well, look, Mike, we'll wrap there, but thank you so much for your time. This is a great interview. Thanks, Nathan. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview.